say to those prophesied from their own inspiration. Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of God, Woe to the foolish prophets who are followed in their own spirit, and have seen nothing. O Israel, the prophets have been like foxes among the world. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and line divination who are saying, The Lord declares, the Lord has not sent that they hope for the fulfillment of their work. Did you not see a false vision to speak a line divination when you said, The Lord declares? All right, verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy. Now, when you think about the prophets, you think about noble men of God. But there were a lot of pygmies who had that title as well. Men who had nothing to do with the Lord, who took it upon themselves to declare themselves prophets and to go around parroting messages they said came from God. He said, you know, they prophesy from their own inspiration. They say, listen to the word of the Lord, but they're just following their own spirit and they've seen nothing. So God is sending Ezekiel to confront his professional competition head on. And he's saying, what these prophets are saying, they, they dreamed it up on their own. This is their own concoction based upon their own ideas about the situation. It's not a message from God. The foundational difference between Ezekiel and the false prophets was where their message came from. If it doesn't come from the Lord, it's worthless. That's the the deal. So if somebody teaches something that isn't from the scriptures, it's bogus. Simple as that. that so, but you can, you can imagine in Jerusalem, over there in exile as well, all these false prophets running around saying, Thus says the Lord. Remember in Jeremiah 28, when Hananiah the prophet, then he gave a bang up prophecy within two full years. You know, the, the Israelites will come back and, and uh, this, that, and the other. I mean, he's, he's got it. It just it sounded so prophet like. You had all the right phrases, all the, you know, it just, it just, it sounded really Bible. People do that. They'll sound good. It'll seem, and they'll, they'll say it in words that, that seem so reverent and so powerful. You know, they won't say, well, I kind of think this. No, thus says the Lord, here's the message of God. And, and the false prophets were good at that. They had kind of the, the whole, uh, you know, oratory and charisma that, that made them sound convincing. But the fact is, they had a message that hadn't come from God. God never gave it to them. They just invented it. And it was worthless. You know, false teaching matters. It makes a difference, the origin of the message. Now look at verse 4. Your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. Now, I think the idea is the foxes could care less about the people. They're just trying to find a place, their own den, their own nest among the ruins. They're just looking out for themselves. You know, they're not out there with with a trowel and a construction helmet trying to rebuild that wall and trying to repair that breach. They're just taking advantage of the situation for their own comfort. 
trying to salvage as much as they could for themselves. There's a whole lot of false teachers and false prophets who all they're out for is them. Make a profit, make a buck, get some following, get some popularity, get some influence and status. Now, that's not me that says that. Read 2 Peter 2. Read 2 Peter 2. You would never think there would be anybody as bad as the false teachers that Peter exposed in 2 Peter 2. You know, we're in this mindset where everybody is basically a good person. Some are a little misled, you know, some are a little carried away, but everybody's basically good and basically sincere and basically trying to do the right thing. No, it's not true. I grew up in this culture too, and it's what I tend to feel. And I read passages like Second Peter 2, and it's like, wow, I didn't think there could be people that bad. There can. People who are out for themselves and who really have no concern. For what the Lord says. You just stop and think about it. What we know. Think about some of the celebrated televangelists and Catholic priests and others that have abused their position to do horrendous things, even with innocent victims. Are you telling me those people are basically sincere and basically good people? They had no concern about the Lord whatsoever when they did those things. They were just using their position to gratify their own desires. That happens. That's the thing I want us to see is, yeah, that's that's a reality. That's not just to kind of, uh, well, you know, it could happen. It does. That's what's happening here. Now look at verse 5. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. Now the idea of standing in the breach is the idea, you know, the wall got busted through. They have managed to batter with that battering ram and get a hole in it. Somebody needs to stand there and fight them off as they're trying to come in. Can you imagine? You're right there at the hole in the wall and you got your, I don't know what you got. You got your sword, you got your spear, you got your bow, I don't know. And, and you're just trying to kill them as they come through. I bet you life expectancy there at working at the breach was very, uh, very short. You know, I mean, maybe you managed to kill a half a dozen before one of them gets you. Who's got the guts to stand there and do the hard, dangerous work in the breach? Not these guys. You would only find the bravest and most heroic of soldiers in that place. These guys, in the crisis, when there's a breach in the teaching, they will not say what needs to be said. They're not going to confront the Israelites with the truth of God's word. They're going to just say the things everybody wants to hear so they can sound popular. It's really hard for somebody who's dependent on people for their living to courageously teach truths that are not popular and palatable. And these guys, they were nothing heroic. They just said what they knew would get them a paycheck and some popularity. They wouldn't stand in the breach. They didn't tell the truth. He said they see falsehood and lying divination. They say the Lord declares when the Lord never sent them. They were falsely, blasphemously using the name of God to try to um, give credence to their lies. We cannot manipulate God by just attaching our forgery of his signature to our message. When we say God said it and God didn't say it, 
It's not going to force the hand of God. It just means we're anathema before Him. We've got to be careful that we do not attach God's name to our ideas. We've got to be careful that we teach what's right. That may mean we're more, we have to say, I don't know more. And it may mean we just have to sometimes say, you know, it looks to me like this, but I'm not, I don't have proof. I don't have, I can't, I can't be sure about that. But we are careful not to attach God's name to something that God hasn't spoken. We need to teach the message, the truth, and, and let that be what we, what we speak. They weren't doing that. These false teachers were so irresponsible, so reckless, so outrageously self-centered and self-seeking, and and wow, it's just it, it was just a tragedy. And and it, and God sending Ezekiel to just you know take the mask off and reveal them for the frauds that they were. And, and it may be unpleasant for us to do that, but there are a lot of religious teachers going around who are absolutely lying about, about the Word of God. And, and again, I say that not because that's comfortable for me. Ah, that, I'm, I, don't, I don't have that kind of natural inclina- inclination. But that's the truth. That's what the Lord would say about that. We need to be more willing to speak as the Lord would want us to speak. Somebody needs to stand in the breach and fight off the the enemy. Comments and questions? Jay? The whole point of uh, being more careful with saying, well, this happened because of this. I know a topic, a popular topic, whether something bad or good happens, we uh, adopt it to. God does this for me, this is you know, and, and, and I think what we see throughout the is the character knows. And even when it, you know, it looks like it could be, you know, like in the Old Testament, you know, it said, who knows, this might be the time, you know, you might be able to save, you know, your house. Uh, who knows? And, you know, we try to, what I've typically heard is from brethren is, uh, well, no, God doesn't work like that. You know, he doesn't punish God does say the trials, we you know, take them as uh, discipline, but it does. we should not speak something without God's message <laughs> authorizing it. Tyler. I'm reminded of King Saul and how he did this and how he got that Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. In First Samuel 23, when Saul said he knew God had delivered David over to him because he was shut up in the walled city of Keilah. That was not what the Lord was doing. That was Saul's uh, wishful thinking about it, I think. No.
seeking to speak what the Lord says. Makai? Good point. Second Peter three sixteen. How they can twist the scriptures, and people do that. Floyd. Religious groups just twist the word. They they don't say what it says. Carla? Yeah, I think this is very good encouragement for us to like constantly study the scriptures so we can prepare ourselves for battle. And another point is that I think we have you know explored a lot of places in our lives and we meet all these random people and they know so much about the scripture. And it sounds so sweet, it sounds so good, and we do all like amen to that, but what's their motivation? And I think we need to make sure we careful of our hearts to just like winging it and joining them with that because we might end up being one of those people who ends up following the most prophet. Yeah. We've got to be sure that we are listening to and following the truth and not the false teacher. Amen. I know even it's that because God watches you and he's like, are you following me or are you following God? Sure. Even a true prophet who doesn't speak the word of the Lord becomes a false prophet. Yeah, I mean, blaspheming the Holy Spirit was really a, uh, what they said about Jesus' miracles, his casting out demons, that he was doing it by the power of Satan when he was really doing it by the Holy Spirit to show a hardened heart. But certainly <coughs> false teachers can have a hardened heart also when they're just blatantly not speaking the word of the Lord. And only the Lord knows when a heart's that hard, but certainly that can happen. False teaching is really spoken against a lot in the Bible, all over the place. JD. I'm not sure exactly how this contributes to this, but uh, I think it's really interesting how sort of a project that they have that there was a false spirit in the false prophets. Because I saw a guy said, who's going to go out for me? Yeah. And so um, I'm not sure exactly how that helps, but in the sense of, you know, there, there may be a supernatural thing going on in false teachers, but it's a false spirit. Right, good point. Yeah, second, uh, first Kings 22 with the, uh, lying spirits and deceiving spirits that deceive the false prophets to deceive Ahab. We may get some kind of a supernatural message, but it's not from the Lord. Yeah, good thought. Other thoughts? Brian.
Yeah. Yes, Ezekiel is a spokesman for the Lord, and he's doing that faithfully. What the Lord told him, that's what he said. Joe. to defend the truth, learning the word, and capably refuting false teachings with the word of God is going to be a defense to other innocent victims who could be claimed by the false teachers. There is a responsible work to do in in studying the word well enough that we are able to adequately respond to those false prophets and to show them that that's not what the word of the Lord says. And that may not help the false prophets, but it may help the other victims of the false prophets or would-be victims who are going to be helped to understand the truth by our defense of that. That's a good point. Other thoughts? I look at 8 to 16. against these false teachers who saw a lie. God says, I'm against you. I will punish you. You will be cut off from my people because you misled my people, verse 10, saying, peace when there is no peace. They gave false comfort. They gave a a, a positive, hopeful message to people who were wrong. They lied about what God was going to do. He said, when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. 
Now, the idea is, imagine a wall, you know, like a, a concrete wall, a block wall, or whatever, and, and it's just crumbling. You know, it's got all kinds of cracks all through it, but, and it's, it's dirty, and it's just, it's clearly crumbling. Well, they slapped a good bunch of whitewash on it. Makes that wall look fresh and new, makes it look so strong. How much does whitewash contribute to the structural integrity of a wall? It's hard to imagine that whitewash does anything to it. But it makes it look good. You know, I've never whitewashed a wall. But, you know, think about maybe, uh, you know, using Bondo to cover up the rust. How much does that really help the car stop rusting? Not so much, but it makes it look okay for a little bit. It kind of camouflages the interior corruption. See, that's what they were doing. They were, they were giving them a false sense of well-being. They were covering up the, the corruption. You know, who wants to speak a message of gloom and doom? That's so discouraging to people. You know, we hate to, to be a downer to them, you know. It's more compassion if you try to lift them up and give them hope and give them encouragement and try to, try to be positive. You know, we've got all our rationalizations to just twist the scriptures to make people feel good whether they're doing right or not. That's what these guys would do. I'm sure they had their rationalizations. I'm sure they had their motives and their arguments for why they were doing that. But the truth is they were lying. When you say peace and the Lord said war, that's a lie. And just just, just convincing people everything's okay. It's, it's a doctor who just hates so much to see people upset. He hates to give a bad diagnosis that he, he just kind of jimmies the results every time. Give such a wonderful diagnosis. Oh, you're fine. You know, all the results came back wonderful. You're going to live to be 105, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with you and they, you know, keel over in a week. You know, did it help to make them feel better right then? You know, you would consider a doctor like that to be extremely irresponsible. You know, this is malpractice. You lie. And so the flooding rain was going to come, the hailstones, the violent wind, the wall was going to fall. Everybody's going to say, well, what about the blaster? You know, God is going to tear down the nation. And pretending everything was well was not going to change the reality. And no amount of plaster was going to defend that wall against the impending storm. You know, sometimes we don't want to know the truth. You know, sometimes as a listener, please tell me what I want to hear. We, I want, I, we shop around for the person who will tell us what we want to hear. You just think about it. You're facing some kind, of, some, kind of, some kind of a situation, some kind of a decision, an important decision. And you want to know, is the Lord okay with this? You know, I don't know. You know, you really need to tell kind of a not true thing to keep your job. And you really need to keep your job and you really need somebody to reassure you that under the circumstances that's okay. And, you know, nobody tells the truth all the time and God understands. And so, so you go to a brother and you say, here's the situation. What should I do? And the brother says, you should tell the truth. You go to another brother. He says, you should tell the truth. You finally find one. He says, no, that's right. You ought to, no, don't, don't be too honest about it. Nobody's that honest. Oh yeah, 
You know, we, we found the person that told us, that comforted us, that, that told us what we, what we wanted to hear. You know, we can, we can do that. We can just look until we find somebody who seems to be, you know, has some knowledge and some understanding, has, has some, uh, you know, status. People say nice things about him, and he said we were okay. You know, did it really change anything? Why would you shop around for a doctor that finally says you're okay? I'd like to have the accurate doctor, please. You know, just finding one that says everything's fine. If he's not telling me the truth, if he's not a competent doctor, what good does that do? So, you know, as a, as a, as a listener, as a hearer, do we really want to know the truth? Or are we just, you know, shopping around for a religious authority to comfort us? And as a teacher, are we willing to speak the word of God, whether it brings comfort or pain to those who hear us? Because we know and are committed to the truth of God's word. And we know that's the best thing for people to hear whether they like it or whether they don't. This is such a practical passage. And it's just so vivid. I love just trying to think, you know, whitewash the wall, make it look like strong. You know, lots of preachers and teachers whitewash a lot of walls that are just about to fall over. Thoughts and comments? Check to do the wrong thing. Yeah, we do. Right. Talking about uh, the uncomfortable language of 2 Peter 2, do you think that relates to verse 14? I think kind of like what Peter was doing is like uncovering the foundation and removing the plaster. You kind of think that's the idea of 2 Peter 2 and how strongly he speaks about the intention and motive. Yeah, or maybe it's more here the judgment shows the inadequacy of the lies. When God brings Jerusalem down, it's going to be obvious they were just whitewashing. They weren't really helping. Other thoughts? Yes, Noah. doesn't change what the Lord will do. So, much better to hear what the Lord says than, you know, somebody saying, oh, here's what the Lord's going to do about that. 
And if I do seek help in understanding the Lord's will, go to someone who knows the word, who's honest and bold enough to tell us what it says. Other thoughts? Yeah, Elizabeth. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. You know, God will do what he does, and we're not going to manipulate him. What's One more section, uh, 17 to 23. One of the few prophetic passages that singles out women for condemnation. You've got also Isaiah 3, Isaiah 32, Amos 4, but there's not many. So this one talks about the prophetesses that were prophesying using all these um, 
various uh, instruments, uh, magical cloths and charms and amulets and beads and who knows, rabbit's feet or astrology charts. Or, you know, we got all those sorts of things. And they're just using various things to try to give object uh, reality to what they were saying. It's typical in times of crisis and uncertainty that people turn to charlatans, turn to frauds, turn to anybody who's got a message of comfort, anybody who says that they've got the answer, that they know the future. You know, we people reject the Lord, but we feel like we need some outside source of authority. We feel like we need some security. We need some control. We need, and, and so people reject the Lord, and they'll turn to just foolishness. They'll turn to things that absolutely make no sense at all. You know, that are just, just totally, you know, we'll turn to the psychics and, and we'll turn to the palm readers and, you know, whatever. And, and people got a whole whole slew of those kind of things. That's what they were doing here. And and for handfuls of barley and fragments of bread, you could get a prophecy made to order. I, think, I assume probably that the barley and the bread was what they were paying to get these women to give these, you know, special oracles of... A prediction to them, for them. And uh, so they were motivated by material gain. Now, there's all, all kinds of pro- pro- passages throughout the Bible where you see false teachers motivated by material gain. You know, they're, they're, they're basically selling their prophecies. I, I, I sh- maybe I should have brought this, I don't know, but, uh, shouldn't have kicked this. Uh, you know, back in the early 80s, but this has been marketed over and over again by others. I've seen this more. But back in the early 80s, I responded to uh, a solicitation by mail uh, to have your own personal golden prosperity cross uh, from Gene Ewing's Church by Mail. And uh, I just want to see what would happen. Well, it was interesting. I got my little golden prosperity cross, of course, with all kinds of testimonials and, uh, you know, all sorts of things written on the outside of the envelope in various colors and so forth. And, uh, and of course, the suggestion that, you know, you may want to invest in his uh, work, well, that just set off a trigger to all, who knows, all sorts of things. I, pretty soon I got holy anointing oil, a little package of, I think it was vegetable, not motor, but, but uh, said to take out your billfold and anoint every bill and send him the biggest one. And, uh, and then I got, uh, you know, a little prayer rug and, uh, then a Jesus eyes prayer cloth that, you know, you open this thing up and it's like the eyes were, you know, watching you, following you, whatever. And so forth and so on. It was just crazy. And then I moved. I don't know what else I would have gotten. Um, but, but, you know, obviously they were making enough money to fund the mailings out of just offering people what they wanted on such obviously shallow basis. But, but there are lots of people who want the Lord to be the genie in Aladdin's lamp, to give them what they're looking for, and anybody who claims that that's what's going to happen, they fall for it. That's way more in Brazil than here. That is a Brazilian enterprise. It is remarkable, the influence of the health and wealth gospel of Brazilian churches that sell the blessings of God you know, they sell holy water from the River Jordan, and they they give their double tithes and their triple tithes for money blessings and financial blessings and business blessings and whatever else. And and God's just gonna He's gonna bring them down. He's gonna tear off their 
uh, trinkets and, and you know he's going to put bring the judgment that's going to put him out of business. Now I want you to notice something. In verse 22, because you disheartened the righteous with falsehood when I did not cause him grief, but have encouraged the wicked not to turn from his wicked way and preserve his life. Now, you know, there's the, there's the tragedy. They're preaching hurt people because it gave them false comfort and kept them from changing, kept them from repenting and turning to God. You know, every once in a while you get these, uh, you know, fraudulent claims for um, special miraculous cures of illnesses. You know, some kind of a super duper cure for cancer. That's, that's not true. That's, that's just a, it's rack, it's a racket. That one of the dangers of that is some people bite. And they don't seek things that could cure their cancer because they think they've got it in this whatever else it is. And so it ends up not just being unnecessary, it ends up actually killing people because it gives them hope in something that's not valid that keeps them from seeking the valid truth. And, and there are lots of religious teachers who do that. What they give is false hope. And it kills people spiritually and eternally because they feel like they're fine because this religious teacher authority said they were fine and gave them false assurance and therefore they never sought the truth. There's real danger in giving reassurance to people who are not doing what's right. And God has very strong words always against false teachers and false prophets. We've got to be careful. It is hard to tell people the truth. When you know they don't want to hear it, when you know it's going to be hard for them, I, I feel that. I feel conflicts at times. And, and there have been times I've, I've soft-pedaled things too much. Not because I didn't know what was right, but because I hated to see the people turn against me or just... It was, it, was, it was sad to think about the consequences of the truth in their life. And that's so selfish and that's so unloving when we do that. And it's so blasphemous to ever give false hope that God has not given. That is, that is treating God's word and God's standards in a very light and irreverent way. It's really just not up to me. If I if I ask, you know, in this situation, will God understand the fact that I just had to lie about this? I'm just using that as an illustration. Do I have a choice about what I say about that? I mean, how can I say it'll be okay with God? You would assume, you know, He'd be tempted to strike you down with lightning right then. You know, you spoke in the name of God. Something that is not what God said. Somebody trusted you and it caused them to do the wrong thing that dishonored God and jeopardized their soul. We've got to be more just speak what the Lord says. If he says it, that's what we need to say. May the chips fall where they may. And that is very difficult for me to do. Man, may God help us by listening to this and by meditating on this to be more committed 
to the word of the Lord and to the Lord himself to speak his word in every situation. That's all we can do. That's all we know. That's all we've got. I have no right to say anything else. Who am I to extend any offer of, 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 of some kind of modification of God's word? All I know is what he said. I have no right to say anything else. Thoughts and comments? No. I agree, yeah. We're not just going around and telling everybody, you know, you're going to hell or somebody else is or whatever. I agree. We teach the truth. Um, and not, we're not just uh, trying to just blast people. That's not, that's not what you see in the scriptures as what's being done. Um, but here the situation is these people inventing false messages of comfort. We can't get false comfort. We've got to tell the truth. And, uh, you know, we've got to speak what the Bible says in the situation. So, yes, that's certainly true. We're not trying to just be um, as offensive as possible. That's not the goal. Our goal is to constructively and lovingly speak truth in every situation. Good point. Jake. Yes, yeah, very, very true. Yeah, we've got to watch because Satan does misuse scripture and he can twist it and and make it sound convincing. So we really need to know the word well so that we are not vulnerable to that scripture twisting false teaching. Adam. He does say that a lot. I didn't know how many times, but yeah, that's a good, good point. Yeah. Often says, set your face. Josh. Okay, in verse 22, he says that um, the that he's encouraged the wicked, that the false teachers are encouraging the wicked, but at the same time, they're also disheartening the righteous. Yeah, but he's encouraged the wicked not to turn from his wicked way and preserve his life. Right, right. right. I mean, incur- yes. I, he's, but at the same time, he's also disheartening the righteous because, and that's really a big thing too. Because right. if if there's something that you know something important to your life that you're kind of on the fence about, and someone that you trust says, "Oh, it's okay, just just go with it," you know, that's just as destructive as encouraging the. Ones who are doing good point, yes. And so, 
teaching the wrong thing, giving false hope and so forth, is a discouragement to those who are trying to do what's right and teach what's right. That is true. It's another detrimental feature of these false prophecies. Alright, we're going to take a break. Uh, why don't we meet back by 3.20 and uh, continue.